did you did you guys do your treat yet? No, we were you know no. Um, we, were, <laughs> we were supposed to get it. probably gonna get it next week uh, Tuesday. Okay. I think is the day. I if I'm feeling frisky enough, I will go out and just do it by myself and and, and just go get it. Yeah. Um, I just want to get it over with because like I don't. I don't like, you know, just waiting to the last minute. I kind of just want to get it done. I mean, right now it's, you know, it's something about December where the first week you're like, I have time. And then all of a sudden you don't. Yeah. You know, it's kind of weird how that happens. I mean, well, this whole COVID time has been strangely long and strangely short at the same time. Yeah. It's very like, very weird. I mean, I'm gracious that it's, you know, speeding up and we're hopefully, you know, things will be improving with the distribution of vaccines, but right. I mean, I, I still think a year and a half, two years until any type of normalcy or, you know, at least some semblance of something. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, it's like, you know, they keep saying, when are we getting back to normal? I'm like, I don't know. Like we're never going to get back to normal and we shouldn't, you know? Yeah. I, I mean, we've, there's a lot of stuff has come out. <laughs> You know, like just with regards to, you know, police brutality and just, you know, the ignorance of people. <laughs> right. Um, how fragile our democracy is, um, mm-hmm. you know, and how people, I don't know, just, you know, people don't seem to um, have, you know, I, I don't even know what I'm trying to say, but I guess they're, they're what they hold as truths and values don't seem to match what truths and values are. Um, I don't know. Like people, like people aren't living their values. Yeah. Like people who like espouse like, you know, nationalism and, you know, supporting the flag, but, you know, but like at every, you know, every means to undermine the voting process, whether it be threatening, um, you know, poll workers where, you know, in their homes and judges. And it's just like, that is, you know, you may see yourself as some sort of hero <laughs> or something, mm-hmm. but you're just a bully and a terrorist really, you know? I don't yeah. know. So all of that has been uncovered and we see it more and more. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't think, and I think we shouldn't forget about it is what I'm saying. I think we should incorporate it into the new normal. normal. Right. Yeah, like there really is potential for this to have been a transformative period yeah. for the world. Yeah, no, you're right. Yeah. But, you know, just looking back, I mean, historically, we're not really good at that as a country. <laughs> right, right. You uh, know? Yeah. Um, because every time you get you get legal progress, then, you know, there's a 20 to 30 to 50 year period of backlash. Yeah, you know, I mean, God, I mean, this is... This is this is what just happened is the result of one black man being president. Uh, <laughs> Imagine I mean, if two black men had been president. What happened? Yeah, it'd be like if they had like a prince and the pauper. I mean, black you president know, situation. It's yeah, it's insane. I mean, it is what it is. It is. Well, and so what this is, it's broken corners. This is broken corners. Um. I'm Amando. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Karen. Oh, this week we uh we decided to read two poems from Margaret Atwood. 
yeah. um, marrying the hangman, and I, the other one I believe is half hanged Mary. Yep, because nothing says pre Christmas like you know hangings. Yeah, yeah, def- Well, you hang things on the Christmas tree. <laughs> um, Christmas <laughs> Lord, I know. Um, yeah, nobody, you know, nobody needs a strange fruit Christmas tree. That's not definitely. You know, I um, you know, I'm not a big fan of Margaret Atwood. Um, I did not know that. You yeah, know, of which of which part? I just you know really like the you know I'm not a big fan of the Handmaid's Tale. Um, I, I do. Or of the, it, the book or the TV show? Uh, uh, probably both, but... Okay, I, so you, you have read the book. I've read snippets. I haven't read the whole thing. I, I will be honest. Um, but okay. it's more... It's not even her. It's not her fault. I'm not... I, I'm not... It's, it's more like the... I have an issue with when, like, there is... Um, when people tend to use things as, like, a huge... Like, this can happen tomorrow if we don't do, like, you know, just a huge warning sign. And I'm not saying, like, rights cannot be taken away. Obviously, we're seeing that. <laughs> we're, so, you mean like, like a, so, like, a book like 1984, you don't like that kind of format? I I, 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 I worry about hysteria because I the, I feel like people, readers tend to use that and, and their argument about losing rights gets lost in the dystopic um story you know oh okay um because it seems so it's it's so out of not out of the realm of possibility but it's so like the stories are so already there yeah that you kind of over you know if your argument is this is where we're going to be your argument to me is not um strong enough because you're you're over looking building yeah, you're overlooking all the steps that it takes to get to that point of the dystopic future or the dystopic, you know, the you know, story. So you kind of sometimes you kind of don't look at the steps that could have that you should be fighting to prevent that because you're so worried about the the end result. Hmm. Um and not everybody. I'm, you know, just you know. I, I just when I when I hear people go, oh, but this is what's going to happen. I'm like, you 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 may not be wrong, but how did we? You know, let's look at how we're going to get there and why. You know. Yeah. Well, I think I mean so. The Handmaid's Tale. I want to say was written in the early '80s. Mm-hmm. Uh. So I mean, I don't. I don't think it nineteen actually mid eighties nineteen eighty five, mm. um, so I think it, it was interesting that it you know didn't gain the kind of popular traction to become oh well actually no it was made into a movie I remember watching that it it was a movie also probably in the uh, early nineties I would imagine was it really yeah I didn't know yeah that. absolutely um, I mean it's kind of you know, the, like the sort of logical argument of um, reducto ad absurdum, where mm-hmm. you say, you know, if you take it to its logical conclusion, this is where you end up, mm-hmm. um, which, you know, like the kind of isn't a valid argument most of the time, 
because of that what you're saying that mm-hmm. you know uh you're you're jumping too far um and are like so do you mean that it's uh the like the sort of the the artist does too much world building and makes it kind of too too glamorous and gets you to this extreme instead of going through the slog of the the middle parts no i mean i think the the writer does the job of the the writer she's she's painting the world this is her story she's telling you you know i always go back to you know my thing about reading a text and having that dialogue with you know the text you know you don't you kind of have to infer and you you know you have that 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 dialogue so the story so you know it's so i guess you know for some people whoever enjoy it thoroughly it's so well woven the words and and people just kind of you know fly off and just say you know wow this is so powerful weak you know and and there are you know levels of unjust in society towards women we're told and 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 you know abortion rights are always at play here and different rights for women i mean what do you want to talk about you know, being paid less 70 cents on the dollar, uh, typically and things like that. You're like, Oh, you start to like, you, you kind of weave that, that story into every day and then come out with like, you know, this can be, this is where we're going to end up. But when you lead with your argument saying, this is where we're going to end up, you know, sometimes people who use that argument will, will forget about actual specific things that are happening, you know, that you know should be kind of discussed more rather than saying this is this dystopic future is 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 happening it's going to happen i feel it it's coming and like no no calm down let's before we go there let's talk about the injustices that are happening that can lead to that you know mm-hmm. i don't know maybe i'm not making any sense but <laughs> well, is it kind of like the thing where people say like as soon as you as soon as you um talk about nazis you've lost an argument as soon as like you invoke the concept of yeah. that that's how you get to nazism yeah yeah you've lost because you've gone so extreme with it i yeah i believe that yeah that that's that's kind of what i'm getting at also there is a, a a level of you know like doomsday preppers uh-huh people who get like kind of get off on like doomsday there and, and there's their level of perverseness with kind of like um you know, expecting it and being and fighting. Like there's like a level, like a level of this. There's a reason why people like dystopic futures or like movies about, you know, they, they kind of like, for some weird reason, people like really get off on that. I don't know. Uh, yeah. Cause I think it's kind of satisfying to, to be, to, to know what the ending's going to be. Even if the ending is really bad, the idea of this, this is where we end up. Right. At least it's an answer. I mean, it's kind of like the book of Revelation. Like, it's full of fucked up shit, but it's an ending. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, most like, yeah. And, and most things dystopic kind of like close out one chapter, but always provide hope for a future, right? Yeah. Well, I think in, you know, in in most dystopic series that I've read, um, you know the the idea is that the there's always a kid that comes along <laughs> that doesn't you know there's always somebody who um keeps trying keeps yeah. digging in and like in the handmaid's tale i don't know about the series because i've never watched it but in the book um you know you're with you're with the main character through her whole 
experience of being one of the sort of like breeding slaves and that's what her role is as a handmaid and then it turns out that there are you know there are people who are also fighting there is a resistance there Mm -hmm. and so in the end that's how she she ends up escaping right is because there actually are other people who are still trying um you know to to get back to a place of of normalcy so right yeah that's interesting so did you did you didn't know before last week that she she does a lot of poetry too, Margaret Atwood right yeah I didn't know that um it's funny um I remember seeing her speak I believe it was her I'm pretty sure it was her at Queens College in like 2002 okay um and she was pretty if if it if my memory serves correctly it was a pretty good like lecture like on the auditorium but i didn't know that she yeah i didn't know that she wrote poetry um i saw her speak at um columbia when i went right after i very first moved here in 2003 Mm. yeah she must have been hanging out in well she i think she's from toronto so she's not really that far away yeah and you know you go where the where the money is (laughs) (laughs) now these these uh two poems they're similar but they're very different at the same time yeah. Um and I, I I didn't like one, I liked the other. Okay. Do you want to guess? <laughs> no, I, I can never guess with you. That's why it's always so fascinating. All right. <laughs> which which is it? I like the half hang marry more than the marrying the hangman. Yeah. Totally. It's just a better I don't know, it flows better. It's um it's got a well it's it's more so marrying the hangman is, is more um written in prose um and then the other one is written more like your standard poem okay right like did you wait wait so i already got oh my god why did i pick two poems with similar names (laughs) (laughs) this is on you (laughs) i know i know it's half hang mary is the one you liked and marrying the hangman is the one you didn't yes okay uh yeah she i i would agree with that i mean she also uh she varies her structure so much from poem to poem that Mm. um it i kind of don't even take note of that too much anymore because she'll even vary her format a lot within the stanza yeah Mm -hmm. um and one thing i like about her writing is that she does a lot of what i would call prose poetry because it's not necessarily that structured but then they're also um especially on her her longer poems there definitely is a rhythm that's there Mm -hmm. um but it sort of comes in in echoes it's sort of like a um in music like a fugue where it it rolls back and and hits you at different at different times um yeah but so okay so let's talk let's talk about the the one you didn't like first and okay let's talk about about Mm -hmm. Uh, so marrying the hangman is just a a, a poem that sort of <laughs> talks about a historic event that really did happen, I believe, in Quebec in the 1800s, where apparently, if you were um, if you were convicted of a crime and you were jailed for a man, a way that you could get out of it was to become the executioner if there was an opening, and for the woman, you could marry the executioner. And so there was a man who uh, was jailed for dueling and 
I guess he had lopped off another guy's finger mm -hmm. and he wasn't going to be executed. He was just in jail for a certain amount of time. And then there was this woman who was going to be executed for stealing uh, clothes from, she was a servant and she'd stolen clothes from her mistress. And <laughs> so she, she was going to swing, but what she did was she whispered to this guy in the next cell to her and she convinced him both to become the hangman and to marry her and yep. that's it that's what the poem's about that's it <laughs> <laughs> um yeah i mean and you know it it you know i mean there's an allegory for i guess a woman's place and, her, and women's options the so the part the part where she breaks in with the with the more present day stuff is that what you're talking about yeah, where you know she starts talking about like um, it kind of, it kind of like you know, I mean, well, let's let's. I mean, if we just look at she's in prison for stealing clothes, which doesn't seem like an offense that you would need to be executed for. Right, but, but stealing I, stealing was a big one. But I mean, it's yeah, it's kind of a little excessive. Um, but, <laughs> Well, I, what it reminded me of was the the conversation we keep having around Black Lives Matter of um, like where they where they smear people after after the police kill them and say, oh, right. But they weren't completely innocent. Right. And it was like, OK, so with Eric Garner, where they suffocated that man to death, like even if he was selling Lucy cigarettes, the 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 punishment for selling Lucy cigarettes is not execution. Right. It definitely isn't. And, and at the same time, you know, something that people keep forgetting, uh, police officers are not supposed to kill people. <laughs> exactly. They're, it's, it's protect and serve, not, not execute. Yeah. It's, you know, even, even, you know, even if, you know, you know, it, it, it's a, a, a fight and stuff, you're still supposed to try to, you know, bring the person in alive. But. Right. Right. And that's, and that's another thing that with, uh, you know, like say with, with George Floyd that we talked about that, it, what were they trying to do to him? Because they clearly weren't trying to bring him in to the police department, right. <laughs> like they the, to the station. Like if, yeah. if they were trying to just arrest him and take him in, then they would have actually put him in the car or van and taken him into the police station. But right. instead they, you know, they yeah, sat I, I, on top of him until they killed him. Yeah, I mean, even if I mean uh, a counterfeit uh, dollar or whatever it was, a counterfeit bill does not warrant such such heavy restraint and 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 be, be put on the ground with like all those uh, officers yeah. on top of him. But even even like like let's say he'd literally killed somebody. Yeah. Even with that, so what are you trying to do? You've got to, you've got the guy down. Put him yeah. in the van and take him to the police station. Yeah, no, I mean because otherwise you're, you know, you're acting, you're acting out this, mm -hmm. you know, sort of passion play of like public domination of someone. Right. I mean, it's the same thing, right? I mean, you know, when does an act of self defense become an act of violence? You know. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, once you control the situation, then you need to make sure to continue controlling the situation and not go off the handles. Um. I, yeah, yeah, the the um, what was it? The marrying the executioner or becoming the executioner is a very weird. Um, I kind of you know was thinking of like you're in, in a you have no options. You're in, in a powerless position, so you basically are forced to 
um, reproduce the conditions that put you in these conditions. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, which I was saying how like, it's kind of like a Marxist <laughs> thought of like, you, you reproduce the, you reproduce to the conditions that kind of, um, that pick, basically put you in, you know, in, you know, whatever. So like you're, why can't I think? Jesus, <laughs> you you reproduce the conditions that would place you in poverty or would place you in the current role you're in, um, because that's the way society has to keep going in yeah. order for the people in power to remain in power. Um, you yeah. Know, so I mean, it's, it, well, that's what I was thinking: is what kind of kind of high mofo came up with this idea of like, oh, I know what you can do to get out of there. I mean, I guess. I'm probably, I mean, nobody wants to be the executioner because everybody hates them. Yeah. You, you would, you would be a pariah within a community. Yeah. And, and also like what size community needs an executioner? Like <laughs> because in the, you know, if we're talking in the 18 or even 1700s in a colonial setting, you know, I guess you would probably like in a, in a town big enough to have a garrison or something like that, then you would start to have that kind of position. Yeah. But how many, you know, it's just funny because like, it's a job where you probably wouldn't do that much. <laughs> like what is, how, how much does the executioner get paid? Like, it's just such a, a messed up idea that there were people who. Yeah. And do uh, they get paid know, by the body? Yeah. Yeah. Um, oh well, if if people got paid by the body, the the federal government would be raking in the money right now. If, Good God, uh, they're just executing people right and left. I got I gotta be honest. I feel like they 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 they, they probably are <laughs> somehow. Yeah. You know, because it just seems so egregious and offensive. Like, <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. Like they're they're violating the the sort of norm that outgoing presidents don't don't execute people. Well, and, in, and instead, he's just executing as many people as he can. Yes, with yeah, and then of course the 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 literal execution that happened a couple of days ago. Yeah, yeah that's what I'm talking about. Yeah. Oh, okay. I thought you meant like well, I thought you were meaning COVID victims. Oh, oh no, no. There've been what eight or nine federal executions in a really short amount of time. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's it's crazy. They're they're just um they're just pushing it through and it's when when you think about all of the sort of hoopla around a federal execution, that's a lot of people that they're yeah. exposing. Yeah, to it's... COVID to, you know, bring them together to to put on like <laughs> to put on these executions. It's it's uh it doesn't seem necessary. No, I mean the death penalty to me is is fucking ridiculous, and I I fucking hate it so much. And I, I think yeah, me too. I think it's such a you know, there's no closure for anybody if you lost somebody. Um, you know what I mean? Like that that to me is just perverse, and it 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 needs to be completely abolished. It needs to be there 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 is nothing Christian about a death penalty. <laughs> No, because an, an eye for an eye went out with the with the Old Testament. That's the whole point of Jesus. Yeah. Is that Jesus, you know, Jesus brought a different way of being that was supposed to be based on love. Exactly. And not on on literal like blood blood uh blood redemption. Right. Like that's that's why he sacrificed I mean, I don't believe this, but this is what I was taught. Like that's why he's he he sacrificed his blood on the cross right and he's the stand-in for everybody else so that that doesn't 
that kind of literal blood sacrifice is no longer necessary. Right. So this, yeah. But do you think, I mean, let's be real. Do you think that a majority of Republicans would have finished the book? Like what, they, the Bible? Like they just got halfway through it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. They got That's... halfway through it and then watched the rest on like movies, like The Passion and stuff like that. Yeah. I mean, a lot of people, a lot of people go through the, the formality of, you know, of being a Christian, like the appearance of being a Christian. And, you know, a lot of people, a lot of Catholics leave church after communion. <laughs> like they don't stick around for the end. Well, to be honest and to be fair, communion is, there's only about 10 minutes left. Yeah. But usually that's when the, that's when you get the announcements. That's when you get like the community part. Yeah, but nobody but, cares about that. Right. Like, I'm right. here. Yeah, deuces. You know, you got you to take your... You I got to beat the crowd out. You don't take it. Well, I mean, maybe some people do, but you don't take your communion and walk right out the door. You got to take your communion. You got to kneel for a hot <laughs> second. Think about what you're going to do after mass, and then you can leave. Yeah, then you got to go get some pancakes. <laughs> yeah, you got to go to the IHOP or Cracker Barrel. I've never had Cracker Barrel. You don't need it. But everyone talks about it. Yeah, yeah. They Cracker Barrel has... um. I always love that they have blackberry jam mm. that you can put on the biscuits. Oh. But we went uh, a few years back. Brian and Ricardo and Michael and I drove down to see mm-hmm. um, a performance of Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf in D.C. That's a good one. Like we, we rented a car and went down there because um, it was um, crap i can't think of her name but it's the the woman who played the oldest sister in um the stage version of uh osage oh no all the words are gone orange county what it no <laughs> are you, are you what talking is that about play called? i'm just having a stroke you're talking about proof no 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 um is that even a play <laughs> it is a play and a movie brian did his uh brian did his thesis on that oh that's right that's right uh it doesn't matter who this woman is. Her name is Amy Morton, I think. But anyway, this really amazing actress. We went down to see her, and uh, and the guy who was in it was amazing too. So like, it was it was worth it to take this whole trip to DC. Mm. And so, uh, and then because <laughs> Michael's always been mortified because eventually it did come up to New York. He was he was convinced it wasn't going to, so we made that trip, and then it ended up being here. But but it was a nice day. But on the way back, we were going to stop at Cracker Barrel. And then uh, I didn't realize until we got in that it's it's super churchy. Mm. Like They have the gift shop, but like they have like stuff, um, you know, like little placards with hymns and things like that. Oh, really? Like I thought you meant like churchy, the, like the, the, the population of people who were going there. Well, that too. And so I, I didn't realize until afterwards that Michael and Brian and Ricardo were all just like, oh, we're going to get killed. Mm, yeah. Straight up. We're going to get killed in this Cracker Barrel. Um, but I mean, I, it's it's in the title, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's in the name of the restaurant. Yeah. Uh, oh, but so anyway, with this poem, what this poem... I don't know why I pronounced it that way. What I really like about it is uh, it, it, there's this there's this point where 
she sort of lays the framework about what the plot is that this, you know, this woman is whispering through the wall to this man and, you know, she sort of names off, there's this listing of, of things that it it's actually never defined what the things are, it, whether it's, um, it's what they're both valuing or mm. what they're promising each other. And it says they both, uh, they both kept their promises and then it breaks away to um, a sort of present day part about, you know, these women sitting around talking about the things that have happened to them. Right. Uh, basically talking about being sexually assaulted. One was like, yeah, I didn't have my glasses on. I didn't, I, I couldn't even identify him. And they tell each other these stories in these um, sort of matter of fact, low key ways. Mm -hmm. And there's this reoccurring phrase where she says, you know, these things happen. It's not fantasy. It's history. Right. Which is the same thing that the story about, you know, marrying the hangman is. Mm -hmm. And um, one, (laughs) it's a, it's a part then it shifts back to the historical setting. And there's a line that I really like, um, what did she say when she discovered that she had left one locked room for another? Right. When she actually married him. And there's something that's so dark in that, like so much darker even than the whole part about, you know, being an executioner. Mm-hmm. To me anyway, it is because <laughs> that's something about Margaret Atwood is that she comes back to in, you know, most of her books is this idea of like, how do women how do women relate to men in a world where you're always going to be vulnerable to them physically mm. and where even what, you know, when there's love, you still are always aware that it's their choice of whether to physically hurt you or not. And I know that that's just sort of the, you know, the human biological condition for the most part, you know, right. some women are stronger, some men are less, you know, yeah. but um, I don't know. It is, it is something that, it, that bothers me. It mm. always has. And I, you know, I think the more, the more that women have the, the choice to not, you know, economically have to engage yeah. In that way, you know, more of them are. Um Yeah, I mean, I there there are different types of um ways that, you know, society um keeps women down, right? <laughs> and economic is one of them, right? Um Yeah. You know, and a lot of, you know, whether, you know, domestic abuse and partner violence, intimate partner violence, um, you know, a lot of it is, you know, when uh, women, you know, they don't have the ability to um, leave because they don't, you know, have money. Yeah. That's how they, you know, stay in the same position often. Um, and also a lot of the time when you do leave, that's when the man comes and finds you and kills you. Yeah. that Yeah. Um, you know, it's women, you know, are vulnerable in many ways. And, and, and you know, stereotypically men are more um, physically um you know, able to intimidate and do that. Um, you know, it's, 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 it's unfortunate that, you know, that that happens, of course, but, um, I, you know, I just thinking like of, of what vulnerabilities do men have? Yeah. Uh, and you know, if men can be vulnerable, but usually if, 
if I mean I I mean I don't know I'm not a this this I'm gonna just make a statement and basically say you know if a man feels vulnerable and he's prone to violence his vulnerability will kind of trigger that violence and that's how he acts out right yeah yeah um, which you know terrible um and unfortunate I I you know it's yeah I don't know how you can resolve that yeah um, but I mean I I do know that you know providing resources for women uh or even you know anyone who's abused you know yeah um, providing resources and help is is the way to at least counter that because there's always going to be that violence you know i don't think that can ever go away because we don't provide proper mental health to people and people don't also want to take proper you know they don't want to seek you know mental health um because they don't think anything's wrong with them you know <laughs> like specifically right. with, with regards to violence i mean you know and some of it is is just um socialization too you know that i i don't know after the i think we talked about this at the time but when the um who is who is the guy who lost his mind when he was in this, his supreme court hearings brett kavanaugh um <laughs> like Rudy Giuliani. <laughs> Pick one. <laughs> uh you know, a lot of stuff came up around that time and I remember there I remember reading about this class that they had in some uh I don't know if it, it was like Denmark or one of those countries, mm-hmm. uh where they they had a class for um incoming immigrants for men where they like they talked to and and a lot of them were um were like middle eastern Mm. or or muslim um but they they talked to them about so these as a society these are the values that we have as far as like what is acceptable about how to treat women Mm. and this is like they talked about it they just flat out you know had a class they could actually articulate what their values were as far as you know how they um how how you should treat people yeah and yeah i feel like we're like we're looping around to sort of different things because this is like the same conversation we're having about the cops about Mm -hmm. like you don't put your hands on people without a reason I mean, you know, like it, that, isn't yeah. that what you're taught when you're such a little kid is that you keep your hands and feet to yourself? Yeah. Yeah. You no, know, like I'm, you don't, yeah. you don't do that. And so if you have a job where you need to do it for a reason, there better be a reason and it better be like kept to a minimum. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, it, it just, I mean, it really does. I mean, I know that you can be specific with regards to race and gender, but I, 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 you know, I mean, just remove all of that and just treat people like people. You know what I yeah. mean? Like, I, you know, everyone is is everyone is equally important in some way, and you know, or they mean something to somebody. Um, you know, don't you know? Just I don't know. Just it. It really does go back to the golden rule. I mean, that's you know, and I, I don't know if people have gotten that far in the book, the, the Bible, but. <laughs> but i yeah i mean just you know i don't know but with regards to to you know being vulnerable and and how there are no you know you know people in relationships i mean i think people in all 
even without violence, I think people in relationships, there's always one who has the upper hand. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, and that makes, you know, one or the other person a, a little bit more vulnerable. Um, and that's, you know, in a normal, healthy relationship. I don't know if that's healthy, but <laughs> in a normal, like, you know, if you just remove violence from the situation, there's always some weird vulnerability. Yeah. Um, and I don't, you know, I don't know if you can ever fix that, you know? Um, I don't know. It's, it's weird, you know? It is because that's what that's what we talk about in sexual harassment situations is being the thing that needs to be watched out for, you know, mm -hmm. is that inequality that that's what the pivot is. Right. Well, I guess it's not that inequality, <laughs> but it is, but it's an inequality. Um, it, it, you know, it's the power dynamic. Yeah. It's yeah. It's a, it's a weird thing. It's also, I but, mean, it's, yeah, it's also, what each person brings to the table, where they are, you know, emotionally and mentally. Um, yeah. You know, it, and I, it, will say, yeah. I will say just so it's clear that I'm not just like busting on men about something that they have no control over being like it, in my family, like I would definitely say it was more my mom than my dad mm -hmm. that was, that was physically out of control. And, um, you know, it, it, yeah, it can, it can go either way, but it's something yeah, well, it's something that I always feel weird about. No, and it, it is predominantly men. I mean, let's be honest. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, when men are like, you know, well, you know, men get abused too. Like, yeah, there are percentages, but it's predominantly women who get abused um, and often should, you know, end up fearing their lives because for their life, because, you know, you could just pick up the paper any week and see that some ex-boyfriend has killed somebody, his, his, you know, girlfriend or yeah. even worse to children and even worse, you know, anyone else near them, you know? Um, so clearly there's a precedent that's set. Um, I mean, it's like when I watched wonder woman in the theater, mm -hmm. but it was, I just cried like the part where she went in and liberated the camp. It yeah. was so, it was so crazy to see a, like a woman be f physically powerful into yeah. the, like that idea of if, if I had physical power, what, what could I do? Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, there's limitations for everybody. Obviously men go into like, have that, have that sort of at the top of things a lot of the time in a way that women don't. Right. Um, but yeah, it was, it was really moving. <laughs> just like thinking about like if i didn't have to put up with shit from people afraid, <laughs> like what would you do what could you accomplish you know yeah. yeah i mean yeah but i'm sure there's ramifications to her actions um in that movie to being wonder woman yeah <laughs> you know the thing about like uh wonder woman like when they i think when the the creator um had like a weird fetish and like when she was bounded then she was submissive uh, they definitely kind of like don't do that uh, angle anymore. <laughs> wait, 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 what? So like, um, so, you know, Wonder Woman was all powerful. And so like her creator, uh, he was, a, um, I think he was like a therapist or something or a psychologist. A okay. Psychiatrist. And basically uh, there's actually a movie about um, the actual creator of Wonder Woman and how he lived with two women or something like that. I, di I didn't see it, but. I know that when she is, when someone takes her lasso and binds her, mm -hmm. her wrist together, she becomes submissive. Huh. So there's like this whole kind of weird, you know, dominatrix type thing going on. 
Yeah. But they don't really focus on that anymore. But what they do focus on a lot in the comic books about Wonder Woman is that she's so raised to be a warrior. Mm-hmm. And which they kind of, you know, talk about in the movie that like, you know, at, 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 there's no, um, everything it needs to be solved through battles and war and, and violence, you know? Oh, okay. Like sometimes like she, she has to be like reined in because she's so ready to like beat the shit out of everybody for justice, of course. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, that's, you know, I don't know. She's, that's definitely a fascinating character. Um, I was looking the, the next movie's coming out, right? Yeah, they're gonna release it straight to HBO uh, Max. Um, we'll see. I'm I'm a little concerned about um, casting. What's her name as Cheetah? Is it Cheetah or the villain? Um, what's her name? The comedian. I don't know. I don't know anything about it. Oh, okay, so it, it takes place in I think 1984, which is yeah, because it's called 1984. Um, and um, the villain is Cheetah. Which is okay. someone who, um, you know, she basically is from, well, her backstory keeps changing. But right now she's from the same island, but she comes across like a mystical something, like a gem or something. And it basically changes, gives her strength. And she's like, she has a tail, like she's like a, a cheetah. She's <laughs> like a cat, like a cat person, like a yeah. like a sexy cat. <laughs> um <laughs> And but it's it's the comedian that's playing her is the one from SNL. Oh, Kate McKinnon. No, the one uh, who does the. Um, oh my goodness, she's the one who was in MacGruber. Uh oh. Kristen. Oh, wig. Yeah. Kristen. Oh, McKinnon. weird. Yeah. So I, I don't know. I mean, she might be great. I'm not. I'm not sure. I just don't. I don't see it. But we'll see. But she she's a she's a very she's not like like sex sex isn't usually her brand oh no i wasn't even about the it wasn't even about the sex sex thing or being sexy cat it was more along the lines of being like a villain you know what i mean oh okay yeah i guess i've never seen her be bad you know just yeah it's it's kind of like i don't know like when i mean sometimes comedians could like really carry out some really deep dark shit you know um, I think of Adam Sandler and, and Punch Drunk Love, which was kind of a very weird movie, but it was it was really good. <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. I'm excited. You excited? You gonna watch it? Yeah, definitely. I just have to figure out. Uh, HBO Max doesn't work with Roku, and they haven't gotten it figured out yet. So yeah, I heard something about. Someone was talking about that. I, I didn't understand why it's such a big app. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they haven't. They haven't figured it out for roku or for um i think amazon fire stick or whatever it's called really even amazon yeah wow yeah so that's annoying because I, I would totally actually pay for it for once yeah um because they're all the doctor who's on there. there there was other stuff i wanted to watch but um yeah i have to we'll have to figure it out mm, that's weird they'll figure it yeah. out sure that's they'll figure like, it out. that's like yeah you want people that's content and you want those that on your devices i would be surprised i don't know yeah weird (laughs) all right well so let's we've got we talked a lot about that one but let's talk about the one the one you did like i did like this one i don't remember anything about it no i'm just kidding (laughs) (laughs) um 
So uh, this one is Half Hang Mary, um, and it's about uh, oh, what was her name? <laughs> Mary. Uh, oh, we- uh, Webster. Mary Webster, yeah. Uh, Brewster, 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 not Webster. Okay. Brewster. And she, this is from like the like witch trials and stuff like that, right? Yeah. Yeah. So she, which, and I think Margaret Atwood uh, thought she was related to her. She, yeah, I think she, she might be. Well, was it confirmed or it wasn't confirmed? I'm not sure. Okay. So yeah, see, I I read somewhere that uh, she thinks that she's a descendant of this woman who, um, I guess was was they hunger for i guess being thought of as a witch and and lo and behold she lives (laughs) when they take her down uh the next day she's um still alive and also based on a true story right yeah um so yeah she was i think she was a 60 or 65 year old woman yeah it's gotta be um insane yeah, and they yeah they hung her, and she lived for fourteen more years. Yeah, what? Yeah, um, I don't know. So, all right. So let me ask you, which which poem did you like better? Oh, I think, uh, I think I liked half 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 Hank Mary better. Yeah, uh, it's more fun for sure. It is, and it's it's um, it's what do you call it? like? I I really enjoyed the rhythm of it. Um, yeah, I even like you know I read it out loud. Oh, cool! And I kind of like try to do like you know like just some weird you know rhythmic to it, and it definitely had an awesome like kind of circular pattern and 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 just really cool. I, I, I yeah, yeah, I thought it was really good. It uh the structurally you know it's broken up into the the sections of the night so it's like midnight 1 a.m 2 a.m 3 a.m and so especially around 3 a.m you can really tell she's starting to lose it like the (laughs) oxygen deprivation is getting to her um but it's yeah it's a cool it's cool because they there's the um you know the men the men come and grab her and string her up and then they leave and just head back to the town and then she calls them the bonnets the women the women come mm-hmm. and she's looking down at them in none of them none of them help her and she's like but i helped you i delivered your right. baby I, and for you i got rid of the baby you couldn't have because you weren't married mm-hmm. and but but you know if you help me the same thing's going to happen to you yeah and so then and then everyone leaves and she's just alone you know she's just there having this you know, this physical um, experience on her own hanging from a tree. There's it's a... <laughs> Go ahead. No, there's this great line and I'm trying to find it. It's basically birds of a feather or something like that, but ravens are alone. Um, oh, yeah. It's just, it's. I, I wish I could find it real quick, but it's, it's just, a, it's a great line and it's really like, you know, like, you know, yeah, just like how the women kind of just abandon her. Um, yeah yeah it's is that was an awesome one there's a couple of good ones in here (laughs) that she had and i was just like yeah but like i said like oh here here it is it's uh birds of a feather burn together yeah oh as a rule ravens are singular yeah so i thought that was that was a good one for me i i I, you know it's funny like i i normally like if i 
if I start to sense a pattern or the way, if I start to sense a rhythm in a poem, I just like to like, see if I can read it out loud, like a spoken mm -hmm. word poetry. Yeah. You know, I try to have that, like that thing. And it actually really rings through, like, you know, true here. It's like, you could really like get on stage and like, the New Yorican cafe and <laughs> it totally do yeah. it, you know, because it definitely has that, um, that rhythm, that just cool, like jazzy, <laughs> like, you know, that rhythm. I, I, I thought this was awesome. Um, and then like later on, like, you know, just kind of just angry, <laughs> but also yeah. like, like, because there's sort of the turning point. It, like, like I said, 3am is where she's kind of mm -hmm. losing it. Yeah. And then the next section is 6 a.m. And that's where you get this tonal shift where she's like, no, motherfucker, I'm going to live. Yeah. I'm going to live. And they, you know, that they, um, she knows they, she can't be, that legally she can't be uh, executed again for the same crime. Yeah. And so she realizes I just have to wait them out. And then they come at eight o'clock and, you know, they're, they come to claim her corpse, Yeah, but she's still alive. And so they have to just cut her down and let her go. Which I thought was funny that um, she had faith in them upholding the law with regards to not executing, being able to execute twice Uh huh. in a law, in a very lawless situation or on. Right. You know what I mean? I just, I found like that, that she held on to that. I'm like, I don't know. They might hang you twice. <laughs> you know I mean? like, right. Right. Yeah. They that. might. But that's, but that's the thing is she, um, she sort of scares them mm -hmm. afterwards because that that's the line I love the most is that uh, she says w they cut her down and she says, before I was not a witch, but now I am one. Yeah. Because it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if she is or not, but like to everyone she is, it's already, it's, it's been already confirmed. <laughs> yeah, by and her so living, she, so she can walk around and just gibber like a a mad woman if she wants to, and you know, <laughs> scare the shit out of everybody all the time. Yeah, and she says something like, "I talk to God because who else can I talk to? He's the only one that understands what it is to die, but not die." Yeah, like die twice or something like that, or yeah, come back. Yeah, no, yeah, she's. Um, I mean, also you have to think about the mental strain on this woman <laughs> mm -hmm. like just i don't know i don't even know how that happened did they not tie it tight enough <laughs> like well the my understanding about hanging is that uh you're sort of you're sort of lucky if your neck snaps mm, yeah because you just die otherwise you strangle mm -hmm. and so if it's not yeah if it if it's not the if the noose isn't tied quite right then you you can strangle really slowly or if you know like in this case you can manage to live there's actually an outlander that happens i wonder if tracy got that far yet they they make you think that one of the characters husbands has been hung mm. and then he's he's kind of half hung um but he's real trying well, <laughs> oh, oh my goodness oh my goodness oh my goodness yeah uh, <laughs> I was actually I was already thinking about Outlander once because the there's a um it's about a woman who time travels back into the uh 1600s and it at one point you know there's like another time traveler realizes she is and she says how do you know and he's like because you don't act like you're afraid of men mm. and you really should <laughs> <laughs> you really should yeah 
Um, yeah, this this was such a like interesting uh, interesting read of this experience from a woman's perspective because it it just reminded me so much of um of the of the crucifixion of Jesus. Mm-hmm. And also of uh, that's, you know, that idea of being hung from a tree as a sacrifice to the God is something that uh, goes back into uh, pagan lore as well. Right. And uh, that was, you know, in American gods, shadows hung from the tree. And that's when he basically has to reckon with who he is Mm -hmm. because he's also the son of a God. Right. Um, And there's another series I really love by... um, guy gabrielle k uh called the fiona of our tapestry i feel embarrassing that out loud uh but the there's a book that one of the books in it the summer tree it, it's kind of k's take on the lord of the rings okay so it's the lord of the rings but so much better because it's not all um like faux academic it's not all terrible it's not all terrible lord of the rings first of all don't, don't ever say you think, well you did say you know you're right you're right full it's yeah it's there's nothing academic about the lord of the rings and i i know look anyone who loves the lord of the rings hey good on you but i i just can't take it i can't i can't take it i don't like it it's mm. yeah but but no mm. so this series is a if you're if you're more into fun fantasy, uh, this is the the field of our tapestry is a really good one. Mm. But there's there's another there's you know a similar situation of a a guy who's hung in a glade overnight for the god to come. It's something like that. If there's a drought, the king would do mm-hmm. uh, to help bring rain, and yeah. the the guy has to. In in all these cases, like when you're hung from a tree, you have to reckon with yourself over the course of the night. Okay. And I think it's a situation that is actually like, those are all very heightened examples, but I think it's a situation that a lot of people have just as far as like illness. Like, I think it's part of the human experience for a lot of people of having these nights of having to face yourself. Mm, Like fever dreams. uh, uh, Not even fever dreams, but just, you know, like, I don't mean, I don't mean to constantly bring up being sick. It's just what I did for the last year, but like, you know, like the, the nights when you're going to have surgery the next morning yeah. or the, you know, like nights when, um, I haven't had this, you know, fingers crossed, but like where, you know, you're dying. Yeah. And it's, it's something that, um, you know, like at least it's, it's not a literal hanging or a literal crucifixion, but it's, uh, I don't know. I just thought this poem was really cool because that idea of like, a physical experience where you come face to face with yourself isn't something that you see women having in mm. literature or pop culture very much. Right. Um, and in the fact that it was based on, you know, something that really happened was, was, I mean, it's awful, but it was really cool too. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, that's, I mean, hmm. I'm trying to think of other, yeah. I mean, hmm. I can't think of any other, um, anything that I've read at the top of my mind where, you know, someone's in a predicament that basically they're facing death, um, man or a woman. I, I, I really can't think of anything. I know. I mean, if you want to go back to the Bible, the, the conversation that Jesus has with the two, the two gentlemen to his left and right. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, basically like one is like, you know, forget you and blah, blah, blah. And the other one, um, I think St. Dimpner, I think his name is, um, he basically, you know, um, seeks uh, penance 
and you know Jesus forgives him and and takes him in, and I think he you know he's he's cool. But um, yeah. it's kind of weird because you have Jesus. I think if I'm not mistaken, Jesus is in the center, and he you have someone on the left and right, right? Is that yeah? And you know, it's kind of like you know the fork in the road. You know, are you going to believe and are you not? Um, yeah. I don't know. I can't think of. Yeah. I'm, I... Well, I looked it up. Like, um, I guess it it wasn't very common for the the people who I think who historically crucified the most people were the Romans. Um, yeah. And there aren't too many. There's maybe two or three historical records of women being crucified, but mm. um, mostly it was men. Yeah. But like, that's a God, that's a f- fucked up thing to do. Yeah, the whole like, the crucifixion because you can't breathe, so you bring yourself up, but then you collapse because you're tired, and then you it's 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 actually genius in in its in its um in the way it's implemented. But I mean, isn't it isn't it crazy to think that that people's understanding of of medicine and biology, <laughs> you know, was so far behind where it is now, but people came up with such yeah. clever ways to torture. Yeah, people. I mean, I don't know if this this place still exists, but when I went to England, it, there there was a um, there was a place called London Dungeon, which is like a museum about how the English tortured people. Yeah, uh, it was great. It was a great museum, um, and they even had like a little uh, boat ride in it that you go in, and like it had like a huge drop. I mean, it's a little perverse to you know to kind of memorialize and celebrate torture what was the, what was the boat ride about i don't understand like you get on like you know like a boat right you get on this boat and it takes you on like the like you know not so much it's a small world but like you know it's a torture world it's kind of like showing you different things and then you come to a stop and it's like a maybe a five foot drop and okay. it's just really cool um so it's just like it ferries you from exhibit to exhibit and then it scares the crap out of you at the end? Yeah, like it's uh, – so, yeah, it's – you walk around. So, like, it's walking and you're walking in a circle. And then all of a sudden you end up in this boat, which was weird. I thought the whole thing was weird because I'm like – like, am I – like, I I couldn't picture the building itself and how you could fit a boat with, like, a water thing in it and then also have a drop. It yeah. Was, it was it – was, it was quite weird, but it was – it was the awesome. river sticks. <laughs> yeah, it was it was awesome, but like I said, it is there is something perverse about celebrating um, torture. Did you feel like it was celebrating, or it was just, or it was just educating? Uh, when you kind of put a water ride in there, you, you... <laughs> it's, not, <laughs> it's, it's not like you know, it's not like you know, and also because it's like. <laughs> It's it's That's not really like you go to like the Holocaust Museum and there's a water ride there. You know what I mean? Like, right. It's not like um, it's not like oh my god. Yeah, there's no little roller coaster that takes you down from like the basement of Anne Frank's house up to the attic. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. It's definitely um, it, there. There was definitely a little tongue in cheek and like kind of like you know profiting and and, and maybe yellow yeah, humor. Yeah, and maybe even, you know, a little English pride, too, you know? <laughs> I mean, they were good at it. They were really good at it, and they showed it. Wow. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? I don't yeah. know. What That's crazy. But um, also, yeah, I was th- it was funny, because I was thinking of um, Mary Surratt, who was the first American woman to be executed under the U.S. federal government. 
And her big thing was that she was like the mother of John Surratt, who was like friends with John Wilkes Booth in the assassination of um, Abraham Lincoln. Okay. So apparently, like, you know, she owned like a, a like a bed and breakfast or like, you know, like a lodging, uh, like a lodging place. And in that place, her son with Booth had like stored weapons and kind of like planned the whole thing out there. And mm. kind of like she wouldn't give up her son. I don't know if she if maybe she truly did not know where he, his location was uh-huh. or she just was covering for him, but she just never, you know, gave up and, and yeah, they hung her. <laughs> they, you know. uh, they like considered her part of the conspiracy. Yeah, to- exactly. Right. Yeah. Okay. Um, you know, wow. so also named Mary. <laughs> <laughs> it makes me feel better that I'll never be hung. Yeah. Like, it's not a great time to be Karen, but at least I'm not Mary. Yeah, that's true. Um, yeah, that's, I don't know. I mean, and like, honestly, I mean, it shouldn't matter if, I mean, first of all, there should be no death penalty anyway, but yeah. it should, gender should not play into whether you're guilt, like, should you be executed or not? You know what I mean? Like, you know, take pity on her because she's a woman. No, you know, take pity on her. No, she committed a crime. Um, yeah. I don't know. It's a, yeah, I, I, it needs to be no more, no more executions, please. (laughs) Well, cool. I'm glad you liked the, I'm glad you liked. Yeah, I did. I did. So yeah, you, I have a recommendation this week. Oh, do you? What is it? Um, so me and Kira, we started watching Queer Eye on Netflix. Okay. And um, I used to watch, we used to watch the show when it was um, on Channel 4 years ago. Um, well, Kira didn't because she wasn't born. But <laughs> um, no, it was, uh, you know, I started, I like, just saw two episodes and it was really, um, have you seen it? No, I haven't. So the first episode, they, they're like in Georgia, you're like, you know, like in the South. And, um, you know, it's, it's, it's five dudes. Who, um, you know, run the gamut of like um, uh, different like racial, you know, they're all different, you know, they just the spectrum of people, you know what I mean? And Mm -hmm. um, so they go to this firehouse where one guy recommends one of the firefighters to be kind of like done over, you know? Yeah. With the idea that that they want him to be the face of the firehouse because they're they're doing like um, fundraisers. Okay. So, you know, it's, they go into this firehouse and it's just, you're kind of already like, you know, you're, you're like who I am anyway. I I don't, you know, I'm like expecting like, um, there to be some backlash or whatever. And like, you know, I'm like worried about for these guys. Cause like they're in the South uh-huh. and they're going to like, you know, firehouse with like these just, you know, filled with like these, you know, Southern white dudes. And you're just like, you're kind of nervous and stuff, but like at the end of it, it just, everyone was so welcoming and pleasant. <laughs> oh, nice. And even the firefighter who, um, got like makeover, like he, um, he just kind of like, you know, has like a little short, um, monologue where he's like, you know, you know, down here, we're taught to not like, you know, different people or gay men or whatever, you know, and he basically said, that's ridiculous. Um, you know, these men have helped me. They've helped me, you know, basically improve my life and, and all these different things. And like, 
he's like, I love those guys. They really have helped me. And like, just like, you know, acknowledging, I don't know. I just feel like maybe the show is, you know, doing some good work. <laughs> like, you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. I don't know. It was, it was, and then they had a, I saw the second episode and it was very, you know, in the South again, Georgia, and it was very similar, like type of thing where, you know, like it, it, it actually makes you really emotional to see these people like mm-hmm. break down and, you know, they're vulnerable. And then like, you know, finally get help. And like, you're like, wow, you know, these dudes are like really fixing people. I don't know. It was, it was really yeah. good. Like, I know it's a reality show, but it is like, it is nice that they're able to really connect with people and, you know, help people. Yeah. And, and, and the one like back in the day that it didn't, I don't know. I, I maybe it didn't see like, this seems like more like, like when people just really are more open to like, being showing their vulnerability and and really just like i don't know like it was it's like wow these people really like appreciate this like like you know like they their flaws have been pointed out or whatever and they really want to like work on them and 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 the, the the guys are really like genuine too like they you know it could be acting but they really appear like they want to help people i don't know yeah it's it's cool and they're just really um like talented dudes like i'm just more like the guy who fixes like you know there's always like one guy who fixes like your hair one guy who like is the culture dude another guy is like the the shopping dude like takes you you know shopping for clothes mm-hmm. uh, and then the one dude who like does like the home stuff like you know like fixing up the house and stuff that dude could like man i want to get that guy in the house like he he he's like super like like takes things and makes it like he made the firehouse look amazing yeah like with like you know black tiles on the wall like he put all these decorations i was like this fucking dude like <laughs> come yeah. to queen yeah i was like this is amazing like, super <laughs> talented like i was just like i don't know it's just like really cool because like you know you watch like all these um like you know i've been i tell you we're watching like all these like house hunters and stuff like that and you look at all these people like and sometimes, like, their style is cool, but it's just, like, kind of, like, bland. Mm-hmm. And then when you see someone who's, like, their style is, like, really cool and stylish, you're like, damn, that, that, damn, that's, that, that, I want that here. <laughs> want yeah. that, you know what I mean? Yeah, like, that's an intentional look. Like, yeah, like, that's, yeah. you know, with, with, with colors and, like, just bringing everything out. Like, that's, that, to me, I was like, holy shit. And even, like, the dude who, who picks out the clothes, I'm like, wow, like, that guy looks a hundred times better. <laughs> Like you got him out of those ugly ass shorts and you put him into like a blazer and pants and like wow he looks amazing. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's yeah, it was, That's awesome. yeah, it's really cool. Like um and I think that it's not I think they got rid of the straight guy because I think they're gonna work on women too. Okay. So I'm I'm curious to see all of that. But I'll let you know. <laughs> That's, yeah, I it's funny that I've never watched it. You would think with like how much I love Drag Race and all that stuff, but I for whatever reason I never did. Yeah, it's definitely it's definitely a a, a cool thing. <laughs> My recommendation, I uh, Meryl was laughing at me last week that this is what like I was gonna do on a Saturday, um, but I I attended a webinar that was put on by uh, the Whitney Plantation, which mm-hmm. is that that place near new Orleans that we went that I always talk about. Yeah. Um, that it's the, it's one of the only, um, 
museums in the U.S. to focus on the experience of enslaved people. Mm -hmm. And so it was a it was just a webinar that talked about um, sugar and its connection with slavery in Louisiana in the Caribbean. Yeah. And they had um, three academics and a panel on it. And there were probably, I think, 90 people who attended and people asked really good questions. And Mm -hmm. um, yeah, it was just fascinating. It was uh, it was a a black like. It felt like getting back, getting back to my roots. Not that my roots are in Louisiana in sugar, but um, just the whole, you know, history museum angle. It was, it yeah. was cool to listen to people, um, you know, who were really trying to draw conclusions about about our past and and where one one of the women, uh, she, one of the academics, she she's a like specialist on reparations, mm-hmm. and that's something that I'm. I'm always interested in um, hearing people talk about. And so it was, I don't know. I mean, she, she made the point with people always say about reparations, you know, I, I didn't keep any slaves, you know, that was hundreds of years ago. Um, But we, we do continue to benefit from the inherited wealth that, you know, was taken from some and (laughs) given, given to others. So uh yeah it's interesting i don't think it's obviously not an easy easy topic or easy solutions but um yeah that's that's what i did and it's they they have all kinds of um webinars and things like that like i think with covid there's there's a lot of stuff available right now that um you know you can have these kind of like you know i don't i don't work in that field anymore but and haven't for a long time but it's still something i'm interested in and so it's cool that you can just kind of you know dip in wherever you feel like it yeah that's awesome. I don't know. Did you get a chance to see that photo of the medical students standing on the, the Whitney plantation? Uh, they were descendants of enslaved people. And it's part of oh, a yeah. Washington Post article. I don't know. It's pretty powerful. Just like, you know, seeing like the successes. Um, I mean, you know, where they where they are. But like, you know, it was just a pretty powerful picture of like, you know, you know, descendants of enslaved people who were. Wearing their wearing their medical coats, yeah, and just basically, you know, moving on up in some way, you know. Um, I don't know. Did you? Was that a Jefferson's reference? Yeah, it was. <laughs> <laughs> it was. Uh, I don't know, but you know, it's listen. There's a I with regards to reparations. I mean, that is a very complicated conversation of what it looks like. Um, yeah. You know, I. I I mean, this has been going on and this specifically in academia. I mean, when going back 20 years when I was in academia and I'm sure it went even further than that, you know what I mean? Like, um, yeah. I know the conversation gets kind of recycled. Um, I, you know, I'd be, I, I'd wonder where they, what the, you know, what it looks like today, but it is, you know, I mean, there, something has to be done, um, you know, because I don't know. I'm, because also there's so much fucking wealth out there, regardless of whatever. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like way too many rich people. Um, you know, like <laughs> just there's there's too much money not to, you know, you know, share the wealth. I mean, yeah, I you between Bezos and the other some um Bezos and Elon Musk and Bill Gates, between all those that, that wealth right there, you could totally just fix poverty in a second and they would still be rich yeah you know it's it's just too much 
um i don't know you know you don't even have to i don't even know yeah it's it's tough (laughs) yeah all right well so we didn't we didn't solve poverty or domestic violence again i know we're we're like and it's christmas oh for we're oh for a lot (laughs) (laughs) uh did i tell you i put up my little tree oh did you yeah i i put it up last night i Meryl and I had a marathon phone call and I, I decorated during it. Nice, nice. Yeah. And uh I don't know why you're showing off. Stella hasn't murdered it yet, well, so there's always there's always later. Man, she was loud on the recording last week. Yeah, she was. <laughs> so for next week, we do not know uh what we're reading yet, but we will figure it out and include it in the show notes. I will let you know because I uh uncovered a box of books that I forgot about. That were under the stairs. <laughs> and to my delight, a lot of things were found. So um, I had about two anthologies of short stories. So I'm just going to go okay. and, and and see what's there. I feel like this is both vaguely threatening and exciting. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right. Well, everybody hang in there, wear your masks, and um, we'll we'll talk to you next week. All right, guys. Take it easy. And yeah, wear your mask because I'm wearing mine right now. No, you're not. No, I'm not. All right. (laughs) right. Okay. Bye. Bye. Bye.